0: You're listening to Daily Notes, presented by Home Sideways. In this episode of Daily Dose, we journey back 20 years to the year 2002. We talk about two films that came out that year, and also take our fourth journey into the Jurassic Park franchise with the latest installment of Jurassic World. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I drink your milkshake. If you only knew the power of God. You had my curiosity. Now you have my attention. This is how I went. Shall we begin? Welcome back to the Almost Sideways Movie Podcast, everybody. My name is Adam. These are my daily notes where I have fun conversation about film. Happy Memorial Day weekend. Uh, hopefully you had a good Memorial Day weekend. I know this, you should probably listen to this after the fact, but... I wanted to get an episode out of here because we're slowly getting closer to the release of Jurassic World Dominion. And I have two more films in the franchise of Jurassic Park that I need to talk about. So I wanted to come out with an episode this week and next week you'll get the the final installment leading up to Jurassic World Dominion. Really excited about uh, talking about Jurassic World today. And also we're journeying back to 2002. Now I do have to preface this. If you listened to the last episode where we talked about Unforgiven and we talked about the year 1992, I did spin the mystery wheel and we got the year 2002. And when we spun our film, it was City of God. Uh, One of our guys on the podcast, Todd, uh, thank you for kind of bringing this to my attention. It says it's a 2002 movie because it did come out in Brazil in 2002. However, in the States, it came out in 2003, so that would make it actually a 2003 film uh, based off our website. And I just didn't feel right giving talking about a, a, a film that's not really celebrating an anniversary. That's why I'm trying to do these kind of blind spots. So I have kind of did an audible at the last second, rather. So I actually today, as of recording, and we were recording on the 29th of May, uh, I decided, you know what, I'm going to sit down and watch adaptation which is a film starring Nicolas Cage, and I've never seen it before, so that was a film that was on my 2002 watch list, so I wanted to get that out there as well. And the other film that we uh, are going to be talking about from 2002 is one of those revisited films. Now, this is a movie that I watched a lot growing up. My dad is actually a big fan of this movie, and it's called Mr. Deed, starring Adam Sandler and Winona Ryder. I watched that a few weeks ago, but I was like in preparation of 2002. I was like, I kind of want to rewatch Mr. Deeds. Uh, I have some f- some memories about it, but I know my, my previous rating on the website is like 1.5. I will say it has gone up a little bit. Uh, maybe nostalgia probably put it ranked it up a little higher. However, I'm just really excited to dive into the Mr. Deeds uh, conversation again. But anyway, let's go into the world of adaptation with Nicolas Cage. Let's listen to the trailer. She hates me. She's disappointed. I could see it in her eyes when we met. I've got to stop sweating. Oh, she looked at my hairline. She thinks I'm bald. She's thinking I would never in a million years sleep with this guy. We think you're great. Oh, thanks. Wow, that's that's nice to hear. To begin, coffee would help me think. Coffee and a muffin. I'm going up to Santa Barbara this Saturday. I, I was wondering... Oh. I'm sorry. So I'm, I'll just be right back with your pie then. Drum roll, please. I'm gonna be a screenwriter, like you! I'm putting in a chase sequence. So the killer flees on horseback, cops after them on a motorcycle. And it's like a battle between motors and horses. Like technology versus horse. Susan, we would really like to option this. You want to make it into a movie? I want to know what it feels like to care about something passionately. John LaRoche is a tall guy, sharply handsome. The book has no story. There's no story. Make one up. Okay, we open with LaRoche. No, we open at the beginning of time. Okay, we open with LaRoche. Crazy white man. We open our Charlie Kaufman. Fat, bald, ugly paces. No! i written myself into my screenplay. That's kind of weird, huh? I guess we thought that maybe Susan and LaRoche could fall in love. I just don't want to ruin it by making it a Hollywood thing. It's like I don't want to cram in sex or guns or car chases or characters overcoming obstacles to succeed in the end. She's crying. What's she hiding from? I think you actually need to speak to this woman to know her. People find love, people lose it. Every day someone somewhere takes a conscious decision to destroy someone else. This is, our last dance. This, is our last dance. this is Who's gonna play me? I, I think I should play me. Adaptation came out in 2002 and is directed by Spike Jones and has a an A-list cast leading, uh, led by Nicolas Cage, Meryl Streep, Chris Cooper in an Oscar winning role. Streep and Cage were both nominated as well for the, the their performances here. Also we have great uh, character uh, actors too. Tilda Swinton shows up, Ron Livingston, Brian Cox, Ju- Judy Greer, Maggie Gyllenhaal. Uh, let's see here. Carrie Seymour. And yeah, this list can go on and on here. But yeah, it's a big, ageless cast here. And to be honest, I didn't really know what I was getting myself into with this film. Obviously, it's Nicolas Cage. I'm turning into the cager, if you will, here. And it's one of those blind spot movies. I, I do, funny enough... Um and I will be mentioning this a little bit more with Mr. Deeds conversation. These movies are kind of connected by like 6 degrees of separation here. Uh for the simple fact is they're connected by Hollywood Video. And we would my parents, I mostly my dad and I would we would go to Hollywood Video kind of by our house and we they would always have movies to sell. And I'm pretty sure I have a memory of them picking up Mr. Deeds there, and I'll share that more later, uh, but also adaptation here. I never watched this growing up as a kid, so this was definitely my first time watching. I just have this memory that I, I know we've owned this movie, at least my parents did. Um, but that was, that was the only recollection that I had of this movie growing up. Uh, but so going in, I was kind of really blind. I didn't watch a trailer here. I know it was a Charlie Kaufman movie. Or uh, you know about Charlie Kaufman. Uh, Nicholas Cage plays him, of course. And but adaptation. Uh, I didn't realize it was directed by Spike Jones until just now. Popping up uh, Letterboxd here. And but Spike Jones. If uh, he is a really really good director. He directed one of my favorite films from a while back from this last decade called Her with Joaquin Phoenix. Also, Where the Wild Things Are, very underrated film. Um, Spike um, also did uh, Beastie Boys story, which is a cr- really cool documentary on Apple Plus that you should definitely check out. And the one that I I've started, never finished it, unfortunately. I I'm, I need to get back into it. Uh, Being John Malkovich, which is probably the one that I'm another big blind spot that I never definitely, definitely need to watch. And probably I should do an episode on that one uh, now that I've seen adaptation here. Let's jump into the adaptation world here. Uh, What they have on um, Letterboxd, as a description here: it's it's from the creator of Being John Malkovich comes the story about the creator of Being John Malkovich. Uh, A love lore, a a love lorn scriptwriter grows increasingly desperate in his quest to adapt the book, The Orchid Thief. Now, how this movie is put together, especially the beginning part of it, reminded me very two thousand one. Uh, Space Odyssey, where you know, where you get Stanley Kubrick, does all those little like, quick cuts from the beginning of time. All that's very prevalent into this movie, too, because they did it in here as well. And then, of course, you have to bring the trio life, it comes up there as well with Terrence Malick. But anyway, uh, adaptation here is a wonderful uh, array of Nicolas Cage putting on an, like an acting clinic because he has two different roles here, and he doesn't have really a whole lot of freakouts. But you definitely see where he is really into the Charlie Kaufman um, trying of acting. You know, he he's definitely trying to portray that him. He's playing that the title of um, playing Kaufman here. I thought he did a really great job. Cage is brilliant in this movie, and I thoroughly just enjoyed. His, what he was able to do here as Charlie and Donald Kaufman. But I mean, anyway, uh, essentially the film is about Charlie Kaufman coming up with the screenplay and a lot of inner monologue and a lot of desperation to try to adapt a book that was based off a New York, the New Yorker article that was written by Meryl Streep's character, uh, uh, Susan Orlean. And uh, she had this New Yorker article. Then she got asked to write a book about, uh, about the article. And then now Charlie Kaufman has to adapt it into a movie. Uh, and it it's told in a way that it jumps between like timelines, countless number of times. I think if you had a drinking game about how many times they jumped back and forth into time, you would probably get pretty wasted with around the thirty minute mark. It happens quite frequently, so you kind of have to be foc- laser focused when you watch it. It's not really hard to follow, mind you, because it jumps. It, it it's told in a really uh, way that makes a lot of sense, so you're not really kind of tricking your mind into anything like a Mulholland Drive would do. But this one is. Uh, A very, uh, it's paced really well and it's actually told in a very creative way that I actually thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, But as you uh, follow Charlie Kaufman here, as he's trying to adapt this book that doesn't really have a whole lot that's going on, he's at a standstill where how how he's supposed to write it. Especially when he has his relationship with his brother Donald, and Donald is also trying to be a screenwriter too with his his movie The Three, and obviously there's some inner turmoil that Charlie's feeling with how he his writing style compared to his brother, and he, and then trying to tell this, uh, have his personal relationships too with this um this artist and Amelia, and then you also journey like have this really small interaction with Judy Greer, and you have this interaction with uh the book uh the, the book cover of the the orchid thief here with Meryl Streep there. Uh but then on the other side of things they have they tell this really be- kind of really beautiful story with Meryl Sheep's character, Susie Orlean and Chris Cooper's John LaRoche. Now John LaRoche it would be the Orchid thief here and but there's also really good kind of under the radar like love story here with LaRoche and Orlean and I'm, uh, I really enjoyed it. Like the, what they were able to do is uh, tell something that was seemed professional, but under the cover, like under the uh, between the page are between the lines, there was a really telling story there that I actually thought was rather charming. I think that's probably because Chris Cooper is a, a pretty really dang good in this moment. and Strip is doing her thing. She's the uh, really talented actress, of course, and gets another Oscar nominated role here. Uh, what I really loved about the film was how, even though it was jumping around quite a bit, it wasn't as confusing. But also, it, it has this other um, underlying fact where they, uh, Charlie Kaufman goes and meets like goes to this seminar, writing seminar that Donald uh, introduces. That's led by Brian Cox, and Brian Cox is basically like, don't do any of these things. And the whole movie's been doing it the entire time. I thought that was this. <laughs> uh, uh, I applaud them for doing that, and it's just really awesome to see that they you know they were that his inner conflict kind of reason, like was in about the movie <laughs> exactly what uh he was they were saying do not do this and uh, obviously charlie Kaufman obviously was the one of the producers on this movie so it was really cool that he was able and it was also the writer too uh which is just really it was just really cool and smart and i think that he he this is a really cool uh great really great uh, writer here. And now I haven't seen a whole lot of his movies. Obviously I've saw Eternal Sunshine which is a really good one. Amelisa uh Confessions of a Dangerous Mind I've seen and that movie that came out with Jesse Buckley. What was it called again? The th- I'm thinking of any things. These are really good think piece movies and uh, that I you know I'm hit or miss on. I definitely need to revisit Eternal Sunshine. I liked it but I I don't neck I can need only seen it the one time uh, and I think being John Muck, which is another one that I definitely need to see. So Kaufman hasn't really connected with me a lot. This one really did, actually. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I think the, the negatives that I really have about it is I've only seen it the one time. I definitely want to dive back into this world and kind of understand Charlie Kaufman. I think that's just me not knowing uh, his writing style nor him as a, a person, really. So it's kind of getting into the under the surface of the film. I think it would be beneficial for me. As of right now, after the first time watch, I'm going to give this three and a half stars. It does appear in my top ten. Let me pull it up real quick. My top ten of 2002. My 2002 man, I've seen some really good films that have made my top ten. My top ten is completely different than it was a few um, start of the year. As of now, adaptation is going to be in my number eight film of 2002 at three and a half stars. I can foresee it going up a little higher. Currently, it falls in between Red Dragon, number 7, and One Hour Photo at number 9. But Adaptation, 25th Hour, and Far From Heaven have all snuck into my top 10 and completely uh, rejuvenated my top 10 from 2002. Uh, and next week, I'm going to be talking about my favorite film of 2002, Minority Report, on with the main guys too, doing a deep dive of that film. So I'm really excited to talk about that as well. So, but Nicholas, uh, but again, Nicolas Cage, I think was very deserving of a win here. But I also said that about Edward Norton too. Just really uh, love uh, 2002. What a great year! I can't wait to go into more films here too. But adaptation, really solid film that I recommend you guys all watch. It was really, really worth it, and it's streaming on HBO Max. Now let's journey back to another 2002 film, and that is Mr. Deeds, starring Adam Sandler and Wynonna Ryder. Longfellow Deeds is a small-town guy. Just going to the pharmacy. Let me get you there a little quicker. How's your wife? She's fine. Terrific. Say hi for me. I will. Who's about to receive... When Mr. Blake died, he left an enormous fortune. He left it all to you, Deeds. $40 billion. Are you sure about that? Now, he's headed for the big city. This is Major Tom to ground control. I'm stepping through the door. Discovering there's a surprise. The biggest story of the year, and we've got nothing? He's got to be ruthless. I'm all over this. Around every corner. Ooh, there he is. How's I been mugged? Good luck. See you at the office. Don't worry, I'll get him. Oh, shoot. Stop right there. You're not going to get away with this. <laughs> Come up here. Are you OK? I just need to walk it off. From the producers of Big Daddy. I met this girl. So I think she's the one. Remember, I'm Pam Dawson, virgin school nurse. <laughs> That's priceless. <laughs> you a virgin. <laughs> one man is going to teach high society. All right, baby, I'm ready for you. <gasps> oh, oh, my bad. Some small town fun. Oh! Am I out of safe? Hey, Mr. Deeds! Rich boy. <laughs> he doesn't deserve this. I would do anything to take back what I did to him. I'm sorry, all I heard was blah, 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 I'm a dirty tramp. Adam Sandler. Put some steam on it, kid. Ooh, that got you right in the throat, huh? Mr. Deeds. I got wicked bad cross-fight when I was in the scouts. Just whack my foot. Don't be nervous, go ahead. Didn't feel it. Like, isn't that awesome? Go ahead. Enjoy the foot. I you know you're starting to like it, aren't you? Oh, you're sick. You're sick. Why would you do that to me? I'm just kidding you, pal. Mr. Deeds is a Happy Madison production, and it's a film that is directed by Stephen Brill, and it stars Adam Sandler, Winona Harris, John Turturro, Alan Covert, Peter Gallagher, Jared Harris, and there's a lot of other people in here that you've probably seen in other Adam Sandler films. And the reason why I'm talking about Mr. D here is obviously it's a film that came out in 2002, and I wanted to do a revisit of this film because when I first started, almost sideways, and I got asked to put a bunch of my ratings together, a lot of those movies I just kind of went off in memory. I'm like, I don't really like that movie, whatever. I just gave this like a 1.5 or something like that. But we were, my wife and I've also been binge watching Master Chef, and this had came on as a new streaming film. On that platform, so we're like, okay, let's jump into it and uh, let's rewatch this Mr. Deeds film. And I, a lot of the time memories came back to me really watching this one with my dad. And I remember going to Hollywood Video, like I said, with the adaptation. They always they had this deal back then: get three movies for like ten bucks or something like that. So we would go every kind of every time we would every few couple months or weeks or something like that. And we picked up some movies and this is one of the movies we did pick up. And we, I remember watching this with my brother and sisters quite frequently and watching with my dad and just laughing and having a lot of fun uh, watching films with our, my parents and my siblings, of course. And I remember them just, la- my dad laughing, especially when Adam Sandler in this film has like this black foot and then just John Turrotoro, beating the heck out of it with like a fire poker that, he really thought that scene was funny. And I remember just, just liking, having like laughing with my dad. And I definitely missed those moments. Right. Uh, but for Mr. Deeds here, I, growing up, I hadn't watched this for about like 15 years, probably give or take. So I, I didn't really remember. I remembered it, but didn't remember it. So going into it, I, the synopsis, essentially, in my own words, mind. I'm not gonna read this off of a letterbox or anything. It's about this character, Mr. Deeds, who inherits forty billion dollars from his deceased uncle, who had a freak, uh like he, had, he became a human popsicle on top of a mountain, essentially. But anyway, it's, he inherits forty billion dollars, and there's gonna be a scheme that the second in command from his uh, and from his uncle is trying to get him to sign and get those $40 billion for himself so that he can become rich and kind of screw Longfellow Deeds out of money uh, or whoever inherited it out of money. And then you have also this other subplot with Jared Harris and Babe... uh, Jared Harris and Winona Ryder who are tabloid journalists and Babe is... uh, Babe is Winona Ryder's character who gets tasked to try to dig some dirt up on Mr. Deeds and at first she's totally for it and then kind of comes to find out she slowly falls in love with him but the lies kind of... Can play. uh Can oh, she webbed? Uh, she weaved a web of lies, essentially too. So, anyway, uh, what I really loved about this movie was the innocence that you know Adam Sandler was able to do here, and he's actually pretty solid in this movie. He's not like Oscar caliber or anything like that. He's not uncut Jim's Adam Sandler yet, but he is charming in this movie. I really like his nature that he was able to per- do in this film and. You know, not go into super quirky animated Adam Sandler, but really kind of down to earth average kind of guy here. And I really kinda of really just really enjoyed that. And I remembered like man, Adam Sandler was had so many great hits back in the day with The Water Boy. We had Mr. Deeds obviously, you know, Billy Madison to an a certain extent here too. And the list goes on with a lot of those older Adam Sandler big Big Daddy's another one that I really liked too. But then he starts going he kinda of got away from that and it became like a lot of quirky Adam Sandler, a lot of like Jack and Jill, the, the Do-Over, and a lot of those um Netflix, straight to Netflix uh movies as well. So you forget how charming this guy actually is. And he's awesome. And I what I loved about it too is that he had a lot of his friends and from you know from all his other works in there as well. And they all had something, a funny line or a funny little moment there that didn't take away from the, the bigger point of the movie, which is awesome. Uh, why No No, no Rider actually is low-key really amazing in this movie, too. She plays a really great character as Babe Bennett. Again, she, she weaved her web Elijah Pina, also saying that she was a small-town kid as well uh, who was a school nurse from Winchesterton, Fieldville, Iowa. And I think that's one of the funniest gags is when Mr. Deeds takes her to this Winchesterton field field, which she thought was a completely made-up city that she did, but it's actually a real place, and going to her old childhood home, some of the funniest gags in the movie. But what I really loved about this movie is John Turtotoro's character, who plays Emilio, you underestimate the sneakiness, sir, and he plays kind of like the uh, butler, the kind of the butler of the house, and actually is a good friend to Mr. Deeds here as well. Really, just loved their chemistry. Anton Turturro is awesome in anything, but his character Emilio is low-key one of the funniest characters probably of the 2000s, I would say. Uh, but anyway, the, I really liked the, their chemistry there. Of course, you got the Slimeball uh, Head in Command who's trying to like undercut Longfellow out of everything, and get the money. That's Peter Gallagher's Chuck Cedar. Chuck Cedar, man, what a uh, what a douchebag here, but. Peter Gallagher does a really great job portraying this. And you, I forget that he was in here, that, that was, but he's been in a lot of other great movies like American Beauty. He appears in Palm Springs, uh, Burlesque. Uh, there's, there's a ton of movies. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, he was the brother of the man who knew too little with the Bill Murray film. I really like that movie as well. But he's been in a bunch of films too, and he's just really awesome in this one. Uh, but overall, though, I don't really have a like a ton like saying about this this film, but it's mostly like memories and stuff like that too. I think overall what Mr. Deeds is, it's just a, a very good, you know, not going to be trying to be the best movie. And it's not necessarily the worst Adam Sandler movie either. I have it at two stars. I moved up a little bit. I just think that it is a very good serviceable film that it has some good laughs, some good heart to it. And that it's just a very enjoyable family, fun film that it's worth seeing. There's a good message in there too. And, that's my money, and it's uh, a lot of good quotable lines in there as well. I think Todd and I went on a, a texting a spree of just like quoting Mr. Deeds in a text chain there, and that was that was a lot of fun. You know, uh, Mr. Deeds, not as horrible as people remember it being. It, it, it's very, it's a very fun film that I kind of really enjoyed there. It's nothing, it's nothing great or. You know, something that's one of the best movies of the 2002. And I think currently I only have it at 41. I've only seen like 82 films at this point from 2002. So it's like right in the middle at two stars. So, so take that with what you will. Uh, but anyway, it's it's Mr. Deeds. It's a fun movie. It's streaming on Hulu. If you want to revisit it, it's, it, it's worth it. And I definitely would say I would probably watch it again too. So anyway, that's journey to our last segment in Jurassic World. Here we come. I'm really proud of you for going on this trip. You're going to have so much fun. And remember, if something chases you. learned more in the past decade from genetics than a century of digging up bones a whole new frontier has opened up we have our first genetically modified hybrid We just went and made a new dinosaur probably not a good idea almost 40 feet high really think she climbed out depends on what What kind of dinosaur they cooked up in that lab. Evacuate the island. She's a highly intelligent animal. She will kill anything that moves. Jurassic World came out in 2015. And it's the fourth film in the Jurassic Park franchise. This one is directed by Colin Trevorrow, and it comes in at an hour and 24 minutes and stars Chris Pratt, Bri- Bryce Dallas Howard, Ty Simpkins, Nick Robinson, Vincent D'Onofrio, B.D. Wong, Omar Sy, Jake Johnson, Judy Greer, and, yeah, it's just it's the fourth film in the franchise, folks. And, obviously, the 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 taste of... Uh, Jurassic Park 3 out of our mouths now. we got to digest Jurassic World, leading up to Jurassic World Dominion, which comes out in a few weeks. We're super excited about it. We're going to go see it for my daughter's birthday. Uh, she is a big fan of these newer Jurassic Park movies, Jurassic World movies, rather. This third film, or fourth film, rather, is directed by Colin Trevorrow, and he has some, uh, some really, really good movies that I really like do enjoy. Uh, Safety not guaranteed. He's done um, the Book of Henry, which is one that I didn't really, uh, I haven't seen yet, but I heard really kind of negative things on, and that's probably one of the reasons why he lost the the Star Wars Episode Nine job, unfortunately. Safety not guaranteed though is a really awesome movie from 2012. So Definitely check that one out. Uh, but also he did this little film, a little short film called The Battle at Big Rock, which is a short film. It's a 10 minute film. That you can find it on YouTube. It's like a Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom like what happens next, like what happens after, like when these dinosaurs are roaming the earth. And we'll talk about uh, Battle of Big Rock a little bit more when we talk about Fallen Kingdom next week. But anyway, let's talk about Jurassic World here. The park is open. 22 years after the events of Jurassic Park, Isla Nubar now features a fully functional dinosaur theme park, Jurassic World, and as originally envisioned by John Hammond. So yes, we, we take... we. We start off with this film where we get to see two brothers, uh, Ty Simpkins as uh, uh, Gray uh, Mitchell and Zach Mitchell, played by Nick Robinson, and they are journeying to Jurassic World to meet their aunt, played by Bryce Dallas Howard. She is Claire Deering. And... They got a journey to now we get to see this fully op- operational Jurassic theme park here and it is something that I remember just like being in awe of. I was like, we saw this a couple times in theaters and then we added to the the billions of dollars it made. We, my wife and I, and I think we think we took the kids to to go see it a couple times and absolutely had a blast every single time and rewatch it. To, a few weeks ago, it's it still delivers. It's still awesome, and it's still one of the better sequels in this franchise. It's not the best film in the franchise, mind you, but it's still one of the better sequels. We also get to see the Raptors in full force. I think the main the Raptors and the Tyrannosaurus Rex are like the two more popular dinosaurs in this franchise. But we get to see Velociraptors in a whole new way. They are taking orders from Chris Pratt, Owen Owen's character, Owen. Or Owen Grady is his name, played by Chris Pratt. And I think that's some of the coolest parts here is when you to see, like, now this is an operational theme park. We get to see Blue, which is one of the main raptors, interacting with like Chris Pratt and the other raptors here, too. It's it's really fascinating, really awesome to see. And I absolutely love uh, the moments with the velociraptors in this one. But in, essentially, though, now that the park's been open for about a couple of years now, you know, People aren't fascinated by dinosaurs, so of course, the owners and operationers operators of this park need to have bigger and uh, bigger attractions, scarier attractions, if you will. And so now they have uh, creep uh, They have they have made in their lab the indigenous Indominus Rex, actually the Indominus Rex, which is a brand new dinosaur that has Tyrannosaurus and some other uh, DNA. Uh, DNA features in there. They've kind of can, can generated this genetically generated this dino- dinosaur to be the biggest and scariest one to get more money in the profits for engine. But anyway, with things going awry, of course, the indigenous Rex does get out and starts wrecking habit on the park, and that's where the death toll rises. And I think some of those moments there are really awesome. You can see the amazingness of this park being on full-fledged like this is amazing i love seeing this these park aspects but also we want to hear the ooh and the ahs go away and become screaming like kind of even what Ma- even malcolm says again and uh we get to follow the screams as if it has a as, as it were but anyway i think that's some of the fun parts here is when the indigenous rex does get out and we can see them going after people and becoming camouflage. all of a sudden we can see this camouflage dinosaur there's some really fun moments here, and I still got goosebumps. I still had the chills. I still was just had a big smile on my face watching Jurassic World. I, like I said, I loved what they were able to do here so many years later. Kind of learn from the mistakes of Jurassic World, uh, Jurassic Park Three rather, and make it about this park. We go journey back for the first time since Jurassic Park back to Isla Nubar here the very first island. We get to see the very first like the T Rex that was originally there from the first movie back. In the, the this new one here, we get, see, we get to see some new dinosaurs, and this is just a really amazing film. From like, it, it's not like a perfect film. There's still stuff that I have issues with. I'll get to it in a second, but this is definitely for me. It's a, still a three and a half star film, and I absolutely just had a blast watching Jurassic World. Some things after picking up on since then, there are some things that I was like, "Oh, that's kind of." uh rehashing other stuff obviously we have this big climatic battle where the t-rex and the Velociraptors kind of go there's some callbacks from the first one and you know they could have done some some different things to make it more unique to itself and not just kind of copy the same formula as the other films have done in the past there is this subplot with uh, military military oh i can't say the word now Militarizing the velociraptors with Vincent D'Onofrio's character, that is just kind of cheesy and dumb. And D'Onofrio is he's really a good actor, but in this one, I just kind of seem like he was kind of wasted in the role here. But not the whole subplot, I don't really care for. I get I understand why they're in there and why they're doing it, and maybe that's setting up to the seeing what this third film will do. Uh, but anyway, uh, with that said, I I, I kind of can ignore those facts as the rest of the film is just a fun, fascinating, fun-filled ride from start to finish. And Jurassic World is a, definitely a good installment in the Jurassic Park franchise. Anyway, that's my quick thoughts on Jurassic World. Uh, let's go into this another spin of the wheel, and we'll go from there, and we'll wrap it up. All right, we're back to the spin of the wheel here. We have our categories from 1982, 87, 92, 97, 2002, 2007, 12 or 2012 2017 and the big blind spot on the wheel here so let's spin to see what year we have to talk about next week there we go we have our year again is 1997 really good year there let's put some movies on there and see what we we'll gonna be talking about all right so 1997 we have a lot of films that i haven't seen from that year that maybe got oscar nominated but i kind of wanted to have some really cool conversations about some of the films here that i haven't seen here so our list currently here i'm going to shuffle it up real quick before i announce them so our first one we have is mimic Perfect Blue, which is like an anime film which I really wanted to see. I heard it's really good. Copland, Funny Games, G.I. Jane, Donnie Brasco, Gattaca, and The Devil's Advocate. Some films, just threw some films on there. So I definitely want to watch all these ones at some point, uh, but we'll see what we have to talk about next week. So here we go. <laughs> oh, yes. This is going to be a fun one. Interesting choice. So the film that we got is The Devil's Advocate with Ken Reeves and Al Pacino. Uh, I'm kind of actually excited for this one. I I don't really know much about it, but I'm excited for it. And I think I'm going to pair that up. I'm going to have to do – yeah, you know what? I'm doing it. It's 1997. We're doing Air Force One next week, guys. The Devil's Advocate, Air Force One, and we have Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom I'm really excited uh, to talk about those movies. So anyway, guys, thank you so much for watching. Until next time, I will see you in the next episode of Daily Notes. Oh, actually, no, I'll be on the Almost Sideways with the main guys talking about Minority Report. So we'll see you then. Talk to you later, guys. Bye.